welcome, welcome, welcome to the DJs of DeFi. We're here. Episode number Tris. So, um, hello everyone. Um, I am MC Liquid. And hello everyone. DJ Sam here. MC Liquid and DJ Sam. Um, well, how do we start this off today? So I'm, I'm, I have to be honest, I'm a little bit uh, depressed. I've been looking at Twitter for the last hour and I'm sad because uh, we've broken the 30K barrier. So um, yeah, I don't know. What do you, <laughs> I don't even know what to say, man. I'm like, oh, should I start panicking? Do we wanna, what do we wanna do? Yeah, you know, to be quite honest, I bought too many dips already, so I'd have to pass on for today. I'm, uh, I'm sad about that. I'm out of cash, so I've, I've, got, uh, I've got nothing else to throw into the, the, the pot. So, uh, yeah, we just watched. We just, we're on the sidelines. So I guess we're just trying to absorb what it means. Um, before I kick into, that's just the way to start the show, just like, meh, um, so yeah, so we're the DJs of DeFi. Uh, we've got a new project launching at the um, end of July. We're going to be doing our IDO. We will make official announcements probably in the next week or so. So uh, anyway, uh, CD's Exchange, what is it? It's basically, well, I don't know. I, I talk too much. What do you, what do you think? What, let's, how, how would you describe CD's Exchange? Well, let's go with the tagline, right? Um, it is the most liquid DEX for crypto derivative CDs. There it is. The most liquid DEX for CDs, crypto derivatives. Um, we have major partnerships, Parsec, um, which is a, a, um, a uh, integrative tool where they do automated data. Um, they, we can, we're basically going to integrate the um, triggers um, into, our, into our product. Um, they're also an investor. Uh, Dow Ventures is a robo-advisor. They're investing, and also we're going to be integrating uh, parts of their product into, into CDs. Um, so, yeah, that, that caps up on, on, the, on the sort of what, why we're here, what we're doing. But let's talk about this market. Are we... <laughs> I, hope, I hate to even ask the question. <laughs> Are we in a bear, a bull market or a bear market? Yeah, you know, just to throw some optimism in there, in the bigger picture, right? We're in a bull market, you know? Well, okay, when, in that case, when are we not in a bull market? What would, what would that scenario look like? Let's just say for another one, two months, we're in a continued downtrend. Yeah, I think we're in a true bear market, and then we hit the top. Okay, I like it. That's uh, yeah. it's optimistic. We'll, we'll know when we know. Um, why, why do we think... Why do we think we are where we are? I, I think you and I were talking about it earlier, but let's, let's go ahead and throw, throw the, the various reasons. I, I think the big one, the big elephant in the room would be China. Yeah, I mean, you know, the crackdowns, right, on the Bitcoin miners. Um, actually, a large percentage of the Bitcoin hash power comes from China, and then the regulators really cracked it this time. So, yeah, people in China, the miners, they uh, pack their bags, and then I guess they're heading to the U.S. or elsewhere. Yeah. yeah. So uh, short term, it's. What, I, I, what is it? Just because of the hashing power, like in the short term. I mean, would, would, would you and I were just talking about this earlier today? If in the short term, it just means people are getting in. It's an opportunity that, to get in and actually provide that elsewhere. Basically, take away um, that mining opportunity away from what was essentially in China, right? Well, I mean, in the short term, wherever those miners end up, they're probably going to reboot their devices again. Mm -hmm. But probably, you know, within this week, right, while they're traveling, yeah, the hash rate will drop. And then that means all of the probably existing miners will make more profits. Or maybe some new ones will come in as well. Who knows? Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so short term, bad. Medium term. No worries. No worries. Yeah. Medium, long term, no worries. And then... I mean, how does this play out for geopolitically? If, if China's exiting all the miners, is it ultimately good or bad for, for Bitcoin? It's a very good question. The thing with Bitcoin, with the nodes, right, the miners, you just want as much decentralization as possible. 
in terms of geographies, physical geography, and then in terms of like say the nationalities behind it. Because if you have like one country dominating hash power, that's a political, I would say, threat. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if you have it all going to the U.S., that's not good either. So hopefully they disperse around the world. Well, what's, what's in it? Like, why, why is China anti-mining? Like, what's the narrative there? Well, I mean, they've always been like that ever since crypto. So here's the thing, right? Bitcoin is anti-government money. And as you know, those who control money basically controls everything. That's how this world works. Well, that makes sense. But yeah. actually, the mining doesn't matter where it's located, whether it's in China or out China. You should be able to, like Chinese would still be able to get it, right? Yeah, no, it doesn't matter. I mean, anyone can buy the Bitcoin, but it's also a national security threat if a huge group of, say, miners in one country own the power. Because imagine they group together and, you know, um, get together to do some bad things and go against the network. I'm not saying it will happen, but these kind of threats do exist. It's possible. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I was, there was a speculative conversation around, or there was a conversation speculating whether, you know, what China, actually, this is probably the best thing for Bitcoin in the long term in that if, I can't remember the actual scenario, but actually the worst case was China would keep um, the mining in China, but they, they could somehow manipulate it in a way that would actually... I mean, in the short term, still hurt it. But in this case, they're just basically booting them all out. So, um, yeah, short term bad, medium, long term good. So what other, what other FUD and, and narratives are out there uh, shitting on the price right now? Well, I mean, uh, the death cross, the famous death cross on Bitcoin also just happened, like I think yesterday or so. Yeah. So all these kind of technical indicators and bad news just happened to line up, unfortunately, in terms of timing. Do you think that that's an accident or is that, is, is there, is there outright manipulation? Cause there's a, there's this speculation that that is outright being manipulated right now. This isn't, this isn't an accident. Yeah. I mean, with the death cross, right, you know, it's coming, you can look at the charts. Right. So I'm pretty sure the Chinese government's like, okay, we're going to announce it on this date exactly when the death cross happens and boom, yeah. price dipped. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fuck those motherfuckers. Um, well, now, this kind of, on the other side of that, this puts it, some people in great vulnerability, i.e. Mr. <laughs> I, saw, I saw CZ <laughs> tweeted, he tweeted, I think it was yesterday or today, he goes, yeah, there's rumors that Michael Saylor is <laughs> uh, Satoshi. So, yeah, so, I, yeah, they're, uh, you know, MicroStrategy being the, biggest over i think it's over a hundred thousand btc now what is what does this mean for them because they've got to be well underwater right now right or are they they still neck above like where are they sitting i mean it doesn't matter for them what the price today is or what it is tomorrow they're in it for the long run they've shown countless times after all that buying after all those announcements they are the strong ones right yeah, one or two years down the road, they're going to be like just king, you know? Yeah. Yeah. King of the hill. Fair enough. Yeah, we, we were joking about, me and me and a friend today were joking about it. It's like, it doesn't matter. There's no way you're going to feel sorry for him in any way, shape, or form. Because even if it all went to zero, which it won, of course. Yeah, it's interesting because um, he was actually sharing a video of like Michael Saylor back in his early days. Yes. Yeah, he had a lot of hair back then. Yeah. Um, he was talking about how Apple was going to boom when Apple was very small. Look where Apple is today. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's, he's got, I mean, the guy's not an idiot. Uh, he's, he's definitely got balls of steel. We'll find out how, how, <laughs> how right or wrong he is. Uh, I mean, it's funny. It does shake your, your faith, you know, and, you know, even having been in this space now for four years. Uh, you've seen ups, you've seen downs, but even people that have been out, around a lot longer still, you see, you see, you know what I mean? They say, you know, you still see them get nervous, right? Yeah. There's, there's never that 100% like, well, maybe this is it. Right. But, you know, I never thought that way because I've always been a believer. And to be honest, I panic sold my USD to Bitcoin. So maybe I shouldn't have done that, you know, all in one go. Yeah, I yeah. know. That, that's actually, 
Yeah, I did that too. That's how I see it. Right? <laughs> I just, it took me a second to see it. I'm like, what? Wait, wait a second. <laughs> no, but you know, it's funny. Like it, it, <laughs> I mean, if you had cash on the side now, I mean, you'd be buying, right? I remember when I was buying as it was going down a month ago, thinking I was so clever. And now I'm just thinking, Jesus Christ. So anyway, look, whatever. You would say can't uh, catch uh, falling knives. So, um, yeah, okay. So, what else? I've just got, I'm just going through a list of topics here. Um, I guess, counter to the whole crypto narrative, you've got um, these CBDC uh, trials, um, which is starting to get a little bit more traction. I know, obviously, China's been testing their version out for some time now, but uh, France uh, looks like they're doing a test of some kind. Um, so, that, that's interesting, right? So, you have basically. On one side, you have, you know, the, the decentralized narrative, and then you have uh, now the new application, um, basically taking the technology and using it for, um, for basically programmable, nation-state nation programmable yeah. money, essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it, it ultimately validates the technology, but what does it mean for crypto? Is it good? Is it bad? Yeah, it's an interesting question because a lot of people try to directly compare crypto, you know, Bitcoin to these CBDCs and even stable coins, which is actually near. The way I see it is they have completely different purposes. We know CBDCs are controlled and issued by the banks. So what does it mean? I think overall fintech will become cheaper, you know, for companies and then ultimately trickle down to the end users. So imagine how uh, you use banking system right you want to send money to your friend abroad dude that's like 30 us dollars in wire transfer fees yes even more yeah. it's kind of ridiculous right if you're using crypto right but with cbdc's that can be cut down to like cents so just knowing this right i think it's a very positive thing because it only benefits what it's meant for right still controlled by the banks but fees are lowered yeah it's interesting yeah so i mean the one thing I could see where it gets complicated, one, it validates the technology on one side, right? So Blockchain, man. Well, yeah, right. Yeah. So with CBDCs, then you're saying, let's say as, a, as an end user, well, what, where you, then you could obviously control the fiat on-ramps and off-ramps um, into crypto. Exactly. So what we could potentially see is if you go on, say, a Coinbase, for example, right now, you see, you know, BTC to USD, right? That USD is really just a digital representation, yes. what we have. But doing the off-ramp, on-ramp with that USD, it's actually very costly, you know, for Coinbase. Yes. However, if it's a CBDC, right, let's say, you know, BTC to like USD CBDC, right. maybe things could get much, much cheaper for Coinbase's side. And hence, it could trickle down to the users and maybe lower fees. So Yeah, I was thinking yeah. about it differently. I was thinking like there would be, because it's, it, it's essentially programmed, pro, mm. it's programmable money in, in that the, they could turn off all the, uh, if they wanted to, could turn off all the on-ramps into uh, crypto that they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't, from a regulatory point of view, right? Yeah, compliance will become much more easier. So, you know, don't do illegal things, right? <laughs> they well, can trace. <laughs> right. So that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. But I guess the other side of that is then it would legitimize in some ways the. So let's say people did, rather than going back and forth between, um, you know, fiat and crypto, you would just, you would now have a reason just to stay in crypto. No, exactly. That's the point. And I think overall it is good. Because from, uh, I would say, user adoption point of view, pushing the CBDC narrative also pushes the crypto narrative. Because right. it's, it's both digital based on blockchain. Right. And as more mainstream users learn about that, right, now that's the new normal. And crypto will just become, uh, you know, second to nature for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. Uh, so I think it's good. I think in, in the beginning it's good. Ultimately, there will yeah. be battle lines drawn. Um, so, okay, so that then kind of, I'm trying to think like where, where sort of a natural sort of step to go, you know, from, from the whole crypto and then CBDC narrative. And then, you know, as we're, you know, talking about launching our own, 
um, idea, especially in this market, um, in in what that means potentially for our project and the other projects coming down the pipeline. Um, you look at where uh, where the projects launched really at the you know what first to second quarter of this year, and then where we're now going into the third quarter, and what that means for how people are going to raise money, how projects are going to raise money. So, you know, everybody talks about tokenomics, right? So now we're going into potentially a bear market, whether it's one month, two months, for who knows how long, right? So we can only speculate. Now, the tokenomics matters for a lot of reasons, but I think certainly in the short term it matters because it's how people perceive the sort of moonworthiness of the project, right? So, you know, we were discussing internally and now, you know, you start looking at market dynamics. Um, what do you think, before I start throwing out words out there, what do you think the current state of uh, market is for, for, um, for IDOs? Yeah, I mean, I think timing-wise, it's you know, no better time to bring that up. I think today's dip will scare a lot more people and the people who are kind of, kind of, uh, I would say, cautious, probably are not convinced, right, that we're going more downhill. And that's bad for altcoins. Altcoins are like literally bleeding right now. However, here's the thing. DeFi is not dead. You know, many projects are not dead. In fact, they continue to innovate. They're building technology. And at the end of the day, right, there is value. So projects will always, in a way, find new ways to improve the tokenomics, make it more fair for everyone, mm -hmm. or at least more, I would say, profitable too for investors. So, I mean, I cannot say what exactly it will be, yep. but there's definitely going to have to be some sort of innovation or, I would say, new ideas springing up. So I would say overall, hey, IDOs are not dead yet. Um, the mechanics might change a bit. But there's just still way too many projects that are building too many good things and people want to jump in. Yeah. Period. Yeah, and that yeah. could be a good segue uh, from there to talk about basically what we do, right? Or what we're creating. So what we're creating is a way to tap into uh, what we think is potentially the next big, big thing, right? Uh, I.e., derivatives. Uh, in our case, we say crypto derivatives, but I think in order to give that some context, maybe to just unpack um, this a little bit, let's just scope out about derivatives in general. I, you know, this, this has been sort of a deep rabbit hole for me since, since I've joined the project. But let's go ahead and just ask the big question. I, I know we even talked about it last week, but I think let's try and unpack yeah. it here. What are derivatives? Right. So think of a derivative, you know, the key word being derived, right? It's actually just a contract that you have with another person, you know, usually other traders. And this contract is derived from an underlying asset that represents that contract. So let me give you an example. Um, imagine, you know, we're talking about Bitcoin today, right? Price crashed. You know, is the price going up? Is it going to continue to go down? Maybe MC Liquid, you and I can make like a bet. Or more fancy word and more appropriate would be contract. I'll say, hey, BTC price is going to go lower than it is from today, one month from now. And MC Liquid is like, you know, because you're a bull. No, 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 it's going to be higher than what it is. So we can make this contract with each other. And then one month from now is like the settlement date. You know, we'll know who's right. And then the winner will obviously get the money. This is essentially a derivative because we're speculating on the price of Bitcoin. However, the contract itself is not Bitcoin. Does that make sense so far? Well, let me ask you, but what's yeah. the value of that? Like, I mean, ultimately, that's gambling in my mind. But is, is there value? Is that creating value in the market? It is because, well, for one, right, if you do this, it's actually a reflection of the overall sentiment. Usually professional traders have their own sentiment, right? And this actually plays into how the spot market moves as well. It's actually a chicken and egg problem. You know, which one is influencing each other? Or maybe it's perpetually influencing each other. Who knows? So one, speculation, it does matter. Uh, two is, 
it's ways for you to make money in a bear market. Right. Yeah. So I guess you could you could argue that it brings does it bring some kind of stability in an uncertain market? It could, yes, and that's yeah, exactly. That's what um, the example I was talking about was like a futures, right? Right. It actually brings stability into, I would say, making sure that you can get a certain price at a future date based on the contract that you buy. So okay. if you're wrong, okay, you pay a premium. If you're right, awesome, you know, you made a good deal ahead of time. Uh, okay, okay, okay. So how do, okay. So let's, let's take, okay, because just, just understanding again the macro of this, because I, I remember reading something about how this would work in a farming situation. So mm -hmm. um, like a farmer is, um, you know, growing wheat, for example, yeah. right? And he's not sure... Um, what the price of wheat will be because maybe there's going to be a drought. He's, you know, like there's some external yeah. variables that are outside of control. So yeah. in order to be able to plan accordingly, he will sell his wheat at, I guess, a futures price or a price that will give him some mm. comfort knowing that he can, he can go ahead and start planning around that, right? And then the guy who's giving him that price is hoping that it'll be... Um, lower or higher than the market, I guess, so he can make uh, margin or the other way around. This is where I get screwed up on it. Oh, it's actually both ways, whether yeah. you're long and short, but that's exactly, you know, the classic example. Right. So, again, you know, you want stability as a farmer, right? Droughts, whatever. Right. And when you make these things, you know, it, it comes in one season because that's how weeds work. Yes. Yeah. So imagine, you know, you have like a bushel of wheat or unit or whatever. Um, right now, the market price is, let's say, 10 USD. Yes. Maybe, right, that the farmer could lock in a price of, say, um, $11 because he thinks that it's going to be worth more, you know, three months down the road. Okay. So for him, he's betting that the price will be higher than the market price it is now. However, he sells this, let's say, at today's market price. Right. You know, $10. So if he's right, Three months down the road, the market price is $11. He's making a dollar profit for every bushel that he sells. Right. However, if he's wrong, then, yeah, he pays a premium. And then, yeah, maybe at least he can secure to say sell at that $10. Or, you know, he'll lose money as well. It really depends on what kind of contract you make with who. Yeah, because there, there, there's this is the... The thing, and I think this is again where I go down the rabbit hole. Supposedly, eighty percent of the world GDP is derivatives, and it, I just can't wrap my head around that. It's absolutely ginormous. Because think of it like this, right? Again, the value of the contract actually represents the probably the GDP, and it's they're only estimates. No one knows what the true uh, value is. But because you can create a derivative out of a derivative. And then maybe create another derivative out of that derivative, right? It's kind of like derivativeception. You can create, let's say, artificial, um, they call it notional value of the derivative. Yes. So that's why compared to the spot markets, you know, the mark, let's say the regular BTC trading markets, your entire derivative markets can be like magnitudes larger because people create all these fancy uh, derivatives and futures and whatnot. Right. Building on top. Yeah. Okay. So... We have a little bit of context. I can't say it's entirely clear for me, but you know, this is this is part of the education process. Sometimes you have to come, you have to sort of fly that plane around not once, not twice, but a few times before it starts to sink in. So let's just go ahead and consider that the second and third time. What um, what are the potential? What's the what's the big potential now? Like applying that as a, as a model in crypto, right? So right now, as we as we talk about whether we're going whether we're in a bear or if the bull's around the corner. Um, what is now the potential, especially now given the current situation for crypto derivatives or CDs as we like to call them? Right, I mean, the potential is really simple um, in terms of how much it can grow relative to the crypto market now. You know, magnitudes. We're talking tenfold, 100-fold. Yeah. Why? Just because it's just a simple analogy of the traditional derivatives market and say, you know, trading stocks. 
It's the same thing. And then what I would see is that the pace of CDs, crypto derivatives, will probably outgrow how the traditional derivatives market grew just because of the use of smart contracts. You don't need a middleman kind of tracking everything and charging fees in between. You know, it doesn't stop from 9 to 5 a.m. U.S. time or whatever. No, it, these crypto derivatives can run 24-7, seven days a week, um, trade pretty much anywhere in the world on a DEX. So this is, I think, just a huge potential in itself. All right, so let's, let's start with the basics. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I only know of these, but let's, we'll just, we'll just I'll, I'll call them out and we'll go through them one by one. Maybe, maybe we'll try and really unpack each one. So options, perpetuals, and futures. Let's start with options. All right, so options, uh, think of it like this, like the name says. It's an option to buy an asset at a given date. It's the right to buy an option. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. The, the right to buy, you know, something at a given date. Right. So imagine, back to the example, Bitcoin, as we're speaking right now, is probably 30K, uh, right. more or less. Right. Let's say I think the price is going to be up, you know, from it is now, um, one week from now. Yes. I'm going to buy the right to buy Bitcoin at the price now, 30,000 USD, one week from now. If I'm right, and I'm BTC prices, let's say, trading at 40,000 USD one week from now, heck, I can buy BTC at 30,000 right. and immediately sell in the open market, make a huge profit. Gotcha. What was my risk? I just pay a premium, you know, whatever percentage that is. Okay, so let's say you're wrong. Okay, let's say it goes the other way, right? So, so basically, you're... Now, how does that work from a contra smart contract point of view? Do you, does that go into escrow? Like, what, how does that process work? Uh, same thing as a DEX, right? I mean, it's a smart contract. It could actually be represented as an NFT, too, which is a cool thing. Right. But essentially, you know, it's a contract that you own, and no one can break it or take it away from you. So the moment you want to exercise that right, you just trade it on a DEX, um, probably click a few buttons, and then done. You get your... Okay, so I'm, I'm going to get pedantic here. Yeah. So if I want to buy... Today's, I want to buy BTC. Let's say, let's just go make it simple. I've got 30K to burn, right? Yeah. I want to buy it at today's price, but a week from now, right? Do I have to put 30K in locked away into like it essentially is an escrow smart contract? No, no, no. You don't lock anything. The only thing you pay is a fee. Okay. Usually this could be like, you know, one, two percent. Right. Yeah. Just making up a number, but it's really just like a fee to okay. open this trade. Right. And the reason why you don't need to put in your initial 30K is you're making this contract directly with another person right. who's actually betting the exact opposite from you are. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, matchmaking system. Okay. Yeah. So let's say it comes uh, and the price goes to 20K instead of a week from now, it drops from 30 <laughs> I Hey, say don't that say that, dude, I know. man. <laughs> you're going to jinx it. I know, it. I know, I know. Yeah. But let's say that happens. And I say, oh, I don't want to buy it anymore. Yeah. So, you know, um, sometimes life is pretty shit. Yeah. And if that does happen, again, what you bought is an option. You know, the right to buy it. So you don't need to buy it. Oh, so you're not forced to? Nope. So you just let it expire. Okay. You know, wait for one week, whatever. Yeah. Once it's expired, you know, it's good as nothing. The only thing you lost was that premium you paid. Got you. Yeah. Okay. So what, what, that premium is percentage of what of the total amount you were going to buy? Yeah, usually it's a percentage of right. your total buy size. Okay. Yeah. And what, what is like a low or a high percentage, like giving a range? Oh, geez. I mean, it, it really varies from, you know, exchange to exchange. It could probably get cheaper on a DEX. Right. Um, of course, on CDs exchange, right? We're going to try to make it as reasonably low as are. possible. Yeah. yeah. Self-plug self there. Yeah. So, okay. I, that makes sense. But I don't get... So, that's an option. What, but who's then going to sell that to you at that price? Um, so, let's say... Like, it goes... It goes... Okay, let's say the opposite side. You said the guy's basically trading against you, but I can say it yeah. goes up to 40. He goes, like, you know what? I don't want to sell it anymore. He can't revoke that option, can he? No. I mean, uh, the smart contract rules it all. So, you cannot defy that. Right. So yeah. then he has to lock up 
that that he so somebody has to lock up the yeah exactly so the in this case the other trader right has to have that i would say balance in their account yes trading account uh just to back it up okay yeah <coughs> so even though i would pay the premium on the option he still has to fulfill it and then on the opposite side um if if um so okay, so basically he has to fulfill it if he if he's yeah. Sit, yeah. I mean it's really a zero sum game. Yeah. Right. If you make one trade, there's always another person making the opposite trade, and you just get matched. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I think I got my head wrapped around that. Now, what about perpetuals? Yeah. So perpetuals is actually the same, very similar to futures, except um, there's no expiry date. So yeah. it's like a perpetually existing futures contract. Which is the reason why it's really popular because if you don't have to worry about expiration, it's like, hey, you know, maybe you just hold it forever. Okay. Yeah. So walk, walk us. So let's let's walk it through again because I'm, I'm again I'm grasping at straws. So yeah. What, what does that look like? What does perpetual look like? Yeah. So I think the interesting is perpetuals actually became really popular on a Bitmex. Uh huh. Yeah, and then um, especially with crypto. Yeah. So the way it works is, again, uh, let's say. You buy a contract thinking that the price of Bitcoin will go up yep. from now. So you buy that contract and then you can just keep that forever. It never expires. So maybe one year from now or one week from now or even 10 years from now, as long as the trade goes in the direction that you thought it was, you'll essentially be in profit, which is kind of the cool thing, right? So if you're a crypto believer, hey, you know, just you're in it for the long time, long term, anyways. So you could do the opposite, though, right? You could, yes, you can do the opposite as well. So when the market's going down, you better short and buy a short position as a perpetual. Okay. Yeah, short or long. So you, so you decide. Oh, okay, so you could cancel it. I got you. So the only difference is you can, rather than putting a time frame on it, you just leave it up until you want to pull it off. Exactly, yeah. That's okay. why it's called a perpetual contract. Uh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. See, now I'm getting it. All right. So basically, you long something, you short something, you're like, you know what, I don't feel that anyway, and you pull the position. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, sometimes, you know, there's a lot more factors, of course, but yeah. yeah, that's the main idea. So that's why it's very popular, and that's one of the reasons why we're launching this one as the first type of derivative. Okay. Yeah. And so that's a, that makes sense. Now, how is that different from futures? Or rather, how are futures different from that? Yeah, so just imagine in a very simple you know, uh, view, of course, futures have an expiry date. So sometimes you see on the news, you know, X amount of millions worth of BTC futures expire on March yes. something. Yeah. And this is always like a scary, you know, so-called <coughs> moment. But yeah, that's the reason why uh, sentiment-wise, that can affect the spot markets. Because people in the spot market speculate based on what the futures market is thinking. That makes sense. Yeah. However, it could, it's the vice versa as well. So again, it comes down to the chicken and egg, like infinite cycle. Right. Yeah. And w what are futures saying about the market now? Um, I have not checked, but I think uh, the number of shorts, so basically people you know, looking to sell, right? Right. Thinking that the price is going to go down. Yeah. Is getting smaller and smaller. But again, you know, crypto, like, even one minute, everything changes. So I gotta right, right, right. check. Yeah. Okay. So we're obviously we'll be offering futures too. Now, this this can happen across any crypto asset class. Yeah, I mean, oftentimes we'll start with the biggest markets, of course, like Bitcoin, Ethereum. Um, but eventually, the idea is if you can create a futures for any crypto market, that would be really, really awesome, right? Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. So I, I, I was doing some research earlier um, about hedge fund managers that, that coming from traditional, um, starting to see this as the great big opportunity for them, you know. So, um, and this, especially given now that we're going sideways, um, this is sort of one of those new, I mean, especially compared to what, the, you know, the, the multiples they would be seeing compared to their traditionals that they're actually starting to delve into, um, crypto derivatives so i think that that's already if you have people that are sort of what they call normies <laughs> coming in yeah um, 
starting to play around with crypto derivatives. I find that I find that's an early indicator. Yeah. So I mean, just kind of like defying crypto as a whole. It's not a question of if. Yeah. It's just a question of when. Yeah. And that's always a hard time, but it's coming. Definitely coming. It's going to be outrageously huge. So yes. you might as well start now. In in yeah. with that said, it it kind of begs the question then. Is there really ever, I guess it's the macro, right? Is there ever really a bear market if there's always something you can make money on, right? I mean, there will be bear markets because... Cyclical, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you look at the chart and there are so-called definitions of what a bear market is. Yes. But, hey, the good thing is you can still do yield farming, DeFi. People are always going to come up with new ways to make money. Yeah. So I wouldn't worry too much that, you know, it's the end of the world just because we're going in a quote-unquote bear market. That yeah. everyone's saying. Okay, yeah. so I'm, you know, I'm I'm fairly new to the uh, DeFi space, even though I've been in, in uh, crypto for a while. How can a noob like me, a relative noob like me, make money in derivatives? Right. So the good thing is, it doesn't matter if the market's going up or down. You just have to choose the right direction, you know, long or short. So imagine going on a Dex. Uh, no KYC, you know, you just need like a MetaMask, you deposit your funds, and then you, you know, based on what you think, right, the market will do, with a few clicks, you buy a contract. And that's pretty much what it would be like in the future. So just as easy as making swaps on the decks. Well, I, I mean, that kind of, look, that sounds a little bit too easy. I mean, look, I, I suppose <laughs> in, when you put it that way, it's like just buying spot, right? Like you just buy, you're just going to go ahead and start building bags. Okay, cool, I get it. But... I find generally, unless you're trading, um, it's it's easy to, to buy pro- into projects because you're like, look, you know, yeah. you have some sort of medium long term view, right? It's a, sort of an investor play versus a trading play, and I think trading is a whole different kettle of fish. You know, that's where you get into TA and stuff, right? Yeah. So I feel like you would need some kind of baseline of understanding of what contracts you would want to execute in a derivatives play. No, for sure. And then um, derivatives, right, in itself is a huge umbrella term. And the more you go deeper, like the more I would say complex it gets, it's really not easy. It's definitely not meant for the average mom. Um, you should have some, I would say, experience right. with finance and at least the willingness to learn. But that's why, why we're exactly on these you know, live streams and really putting out content there. You know, Check out the CDs Medium, for example, that really simplifies what all of this means and how you can start well okay let's let's go with one one let's just go with one simple example of how let's say today okay what out of those three so options perpetuals futures for example right what would be one of the easiest what would be the it sounds like options would be probably the lowest barrier to entry because it's like it's pretty much no risk yeah, I would say there's a lot of upsides to options by paying a small premium. Right. Yeah. So you could, for me, like I'm just based on that, I'm like, well, the downside's known. You know what the downside is. It's whatever the premium you're paying, right? So, you know, and then the upside is, actually, I'd be doing options all day long. Now I think about it. Because you, you, it's just kind of like, I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't call it a lottery ticket, but it's like, well, if you're right, then you go ahead and buy. If you're wrong, you just lost that money that you paid the premium for. Right, exactly. But, I mean, of course, there's other smaller caveats to do. But it's definitely a good uh, place to start in terms of the types of contracts that you can buy. So, that, so you think that out of, out of all those, that would be probably the easiest way for somebody like myself who doesn't have like like a lot of chart knowledge and understanding and looking at the macros and blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, look, let's go ahead and just take a punt on this. I'll put an option in two weeks. At this, It's going to be at this price. Or rather, I'm going to buy it. Let's say today, you know, we're talking about, we're making a joke of going down to 20. But if I, if I think, oh, it's going to go up to 40 in two weeks, I say, okay, I want to buy uh, at today's price in two weeks. Yeah. I mean, if you had to choose, I, th- I think it's a good option, right? Yeah. Of course, every, I would say, person approaches differently. But I can tell you, Perpetuals and Futures has a lot more mechanics behind it um, that you need to understand. So I think options is definitely a good place to start. 
in terms of uh, simplicity relative right. to the other right, derivatives. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay, so that's some way. So it's good just to maybe, I'm trying to think of, of, of you know, tangible examples. Yeah. Of, yeah. You know, go options. Yeah, okay, go options. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm just kind of going, to, you know, fleshing out some of these ideas here. So what are, um, you know, what, I mean, what would you say is some of the, the, the real downsides or, or uh, risk, I guess, to, I mean, I don't, know, I don't know how to frame this, whether it's disadvantages here, I have it written as disadvantages or negatives, but maybe, maybe, should be, maybe it's better to outline the risks um, associated with derivatives. You know, it's, it's, when I think of derivatives, I think of, um, you know, the, the whole housing crisis, you know, the toxic assets yeah, you know yeah. that back in which basically kind of is what indirectly birthed bitcoin right so let, let's try and flesh out a little bit so what potentially could be the negative side to this this whole asset class yeah so i think you have to take it very seriously this is not like a spot market in bitcoin where you just kind of buy and hold no you have to actually understand and keep up with the market trends it's very important you do that. Mm -hmm. So if you get in, you know, don't kind of be like half-assed. You, you're either you're in or you're not. Because not. you have to constantly measure your risk, constantly look at the trends and make your trades accordingly. So that's one, right? You, you just have to be in. The second is, of course, uh, oftentimes with derivatives trading, there's something called a leveraged margin trading associated. Yeah. So this is very, very risky. It's a high risk reward uh, play, but also you can lose a lot of money if you make the wrong decision because you're essentially borrowing funds to make trades. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is what they say when you got liquidated. Exactly. So with leverage, you'll often hear or see like 10x, you know, 50x, 100x. 100x is quite crazy and really risky mm -hmm. because imagine um, if with 100x leverage, it means, for example, if you borrow, like, say, a thousand, I mean, sorry, if you start with a thousand dollars of your own funds, right? You could essentially trade with an equivalent value of, say, a hundred thousand, right? Yeah, you know, hundred X of what you have. So, if the market moves by like one percent, that one percent is amplified by a hundred X as well. So, but yeah. let's say, okay, so you're borrowing, against, you're borrowing against what it's, it's, I guess, fractional, it would be sort of, sort of like fractional loan against what you have, right? Yeah, so usually where do these funds come from? Well, if you're trading on a big centralized exchange, um, these exchanges either have the funds themselves to lend you yeah. or there's other, I would say, traders on the platform to lend you money, which is a whole other business to do. What if I don't have it? Uh, if you don't have what? Yeah, let's say I've leveraged against myself, right? I leveraged against the thousand bucks that I have and, and I called it wrong. So... Who, are they going to come knocking on my door? Yeah, so I mean, uh, usually to even open that trade, you need a minimum amount, say a thousand dollars. Right. Now imagine the market dips. Yeah. And then your the value of your account or your trade goes below a thousand. Yes. Or whatever amount, right? Um, specified. Yes. Yeah, you're going to get you know the the big scary word called liquidated. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So they just take your money. Yeah. So. They can't take more than what you have, obviously. They'll force you out of your positions. Okay. Yeah. Right. Because you heard about that one guy, right? That he was doing, he was trading live on, on Twitch, actually. I think he was trading live on Twitch. Yeah. And he, he was doing 100Xs, man. He was... Yeah, yeah, man. be careful with that, man, 100X. <laughs> I was like, everyone's just laughing because this guy's clearly, he just completely lost it all. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, um, okay, so look. That's on the micro scale. So on, uh, sort of on a, on a, on a personal level. So like, you know, buyer beware, caveat emptor, you know, look, you can't just really luck your way into, you know, a really good, well, I suppose you can, but um, you, it's pretty dangerous. Now that, that's on a uh, sort of like, obviously mitigating your risk, right? Now, what about on a macro? So kind of using that again, that toxic asset uh, sort of GFC crisis, is that possible? I feel like it is possible, but let's maybe just play with that scenario for a little bit. Like, what, what is potentially a negative narrative around 
um, derivatives, uh, or at least potentially around crypto derivatives. Right, from a macro perspective, yeah. The thing is, if another, say, 2008 crisis happens where everyone's taking super risky loans, yes, and the banks or whatever um, assets backing it up was supposed to be there, but it really wasn't, yeah, things then you know you start having a domino effect of a crash. With the crypto derivatives, these at least on a decentralized platform, these would be based on smart contracts that would do the liquidations for you. Right. So in a worst case scenario, right, imagine there's a huge sell-off, you'll see a chain reaction of these smart contracts is selling off, you know, liquidating at every single level. So theoretically, it would return back the original money that's backing whatever that trade is or derivative theoretically right, right. yeah cuz you couldn't put more, you couldn't put you couldn't put a greater amount if it wasn't actually equal to that at least to that amount yeah and then there's no better than a smart contract to actually <coughs> verify that with uh, math and you don't need you know some uh, greedy bank or uh, trading institution to check that for you right well cuz yeah. i mean <clears throat> A lot of those assets were, were actually hidden. They were bundled and hidden, hidden, right? Yeah, you know, you can do a lot of accounting tricks to, to make things look nice, yeah. make things look like they're well um, collateralized. But in fact, you know, they turn out to be like shitty assets and it became worthless, right? When people, when, when they realize that, okay, we need to sell these or whatever. So. Okay. But that's the problem is... With derivatives, right, uh, there's also things with like synthetics. So imagine taking like real stocks and then putting that as a tokenized asset. Yes. Or if you take like, you know, real estate, the thing is smart contracts are only good as to the point where it's still verifiable. But as soon as you go to the real world, I know there's oracles, but what if those real estate assets, you know, are fraud or whatever? Yes. So there's an inherent limit to yes. how much this can go, but I still think it's a better overall solution than what we had previously before blockchain. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, that, that, that was actually the whole... Yeah. I'm still trying to wrap my head around the whole Oracle thing. Um, I mean, it's, 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 it's marrying that off-chain, on-chain world. I, I mean, I get it. Ultimately, that's where we're driving. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I, I could see where that would be an issue because at some point, it could still be falsified, right? Someone's going to gamify it. Yeah. Someone. Yeah, there's yeah. always going to be a way to, to, to figure out a loophole. And I guess that's the whole point is... is uh, this sort of uh, cat and mouse with, with finding these loop, loopholes. So look, I think on that note, I think we, I think we covered quite a gamut. Just going on the topic of derivatives, I think we could certainly go a lot, a lot deeper. And I, I know we plan to over time, but I thought it would be good to go over these topics as it's relevant, you know, and as, as um, you, know, you and I talk about it on a daily basis and how it applies to our product and actually how it applies to, you know, how we communicate to a wider audience and, how we can get people to see uh, the potential of this asset class, you know, which is going to be um, growing in, in orders of magnitude. And actually, the, the many products that are already coming out now, you know, they're already starting to come out now. You know, we're talking about cross-chain, that's um, interoperability. These are, you know, things that were very kind of like outlandish concept just only a few years ago. So they're starting to yeah. become real world now. Yeah, yeah. So here's the thing is, even if they're outlandish concepts today, it's really simple, right? There's going to be an inherent need and demand for this. So it's just only a matter of time before more people realize the value, the need, and then they really build out the infrastructure needed. Yeah. So that's why we're here. Yeah. Yeah. We're not just doing this for fun and be like, oh, let's build something. No, yeah. no, it's people are going to need this. No doubt. It's a, it's a, real, it's a real, uh, real use case. Um, it's, we're, we're not making up problems right now. These are obviously isolated chains and... and building bridges to, to bring these chains, to be able to swap across these chains. It's a, you know, it's a legitimate problem. Yeah. Um, I'm actually surprised it's happening. I, I know, again, I remember it wasn't even that, maybe even two yeah. years ago, which it was kind of like fantasy talk, you know? So, yeah. but then again, you know, to be truthful, it's actually really difficult to implement in real life. Yes. So that's why, uh, we're getting there, but yeah, you know, sooner patience. than later, but I think it will accelerate too. That's the other thing. It's one of those things. Once yeah. one is built, another one is built. It's just kind of like a neural network. Once you start making these connections, the, the pace of connections start to accelerate, right? Exactly, yeah. And then more institutional capital flows in and, you know, la-la land for blockchain. So that's when the, the bull market hits again. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. 
Uh, we're ready for that one for sure, especially after ready this, anytime after this bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, well, cool, man. Look, let's. Uh, uh, TJ Sam, it's always a pleasure, and I'm glad glad that uh, you know we're, we're at least being able to sort of talk about this in, in a semi-structured way, and and help us learn learn how to sort of communicate, um, you know, what we're doing, and um, you know all the all the different uh, applications for um, not only this um, not only our product but also just the general sort of emerging asset class. So I think that that uh, was helpful for, for us to talk it through and hopefully anybody watching, I don't know if any, just one or two people out there watching us, uh, appreciate your your viewership and, and please give us feedback. And uh, also just wrapping it up, we are uh, actively calling for DJs uh, in our pre-IDO pre community campaign. We'll be making official announcements of that first stage winner winners rather End of this week, we're going to be doing a build-up right uh, when we do this this um, IDO, which is again to be announced. But it's it's uh, going to be looking now end of July. We will have a, a firm date uh, to announce soon, and I'm excited to to finally get that out there. I know we've been going back and forth on the dates, and even in this market, we will dominate. We will be the hottest fucking DeFi shit hot platform of 2021 mark our words the djs of d5 please join us and uh looking forward to seeing you guys episode four on thursday uh topic tbc yes tbc but all of it will be interesting and will be another chapter in the djs of d5 dode so with that i say peace out bitches Woo!